At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast here at Gatorsports.com. Robbie Andrews is going to be joining me in a minute, and we'll talk to him about uh, spring football so far. Uh, as you guys know, my mantra, if you don't hear anything about spring football, it's good, because um, anything else you hear is just going to be hype and, and uh, PR type. I don't want to say PR, that's not fair. I mean, Coach Mullen is going to tell you who's looking good, who's looking bad, but it really it's a long way to football season. So, uh, But we're going to start out talking about basketball uh, and kind of write the obit on this basketball season. For some of you, probably um, you feel like uh, Florida was put out of its misery. Some of you are angry. Some of you are uh, questioning who you, your head coach should be. Uh, some of you are, hey, that was it was just nice to be in the tournament. I mean, there's a lot of feelings, and especially nerves are a little raw right after a loss like that, and I get it. But the the amount of negativity is always amazes me. I think um, I think you've got a really good coach, and I think he's going to do a good job, and I think uh, he's done a good job. I think to win five – and don't forget, I think everybody needs to take this step backwards, and that is when – Mike White took over the job at the University of Florida. He wasn't inheriting the Billy Donovan program that won national titles. He was inheriting the Billy program, Billy Donovan program, not even program, the Billy Donovan team that was under 500 the year before. Under 500, okay? That's what he inherited. Now, did he inherit a hell of a better brand than Billy Donovan got when he came here? Absolutely. Florida had become um, elite for a while and certainly in the higher percentile of programs. So what he's done, I think, is great. I get that this team was hard to watch. It was miserable to watch. Uh, I think what happened more than anything with this year's team is it turned out not to be the team he thought it was. You know, nobody, nobody walking into this season said, well, you know what, I bet Jalen Hudson goes invisible for the first three quarters of the season. So you start with that premise, um, and you start with guy freshmen. You're you're kind of building the team around freshmen, the Keystone injury, all that stuff that happened. Uh, I think they did fine, considering what they were. But what happened during the season was was quite simple, really. Mike didn't know what he had. He had to figure out what he really had. He thought he knew what he had. He had to figure out what he had. By the time he did, he realized what they had to do, and that was to lock down defensively and shorten the game so that even though, even if they weren't playing great defense, they, they still would look like they were playing great defense because the games would be uh, low scoring, but that would be their best chance to win. Like if you, if, Even if you're not playing great and you get down 60 to 52, you can come back and win that game. You, what you can't do is win a game where it's 80 to, to 58. You know, and, and so I really believe that they, and this is just me talking, but I believe they um, condensed the games 
and became the team that they were, which was a good enough team to get into the tournament. And to me, I said it all along, this all that matters is getting in. And if you win that first game, it's gravy. Now, I will say this. Last week on this podcast, I said I was explaining to everybody why a 10 was better almost, in my, at least in my opinion, than being a 9 or an 8. And the, the thinking was, if you're a 10, you play a 7. 7, 8, 9, 10, they're all about the same. And then you play a 2 rather than a 1. And I stand by that theory, okay? However, you still don't want to be a 10. I think I need to amend it to that point. You don't want to be a 10. Because if you're a 10, event, you, in the, the second game you're going to play a 2, and especially this year you don't want to be a 10. Because the 2s are really, really good this year. And that's why we've seen almost complete chalk. I think, what is it, the first three seeds in each? Uh, Oregon is the only outlier in this whole thing. But it was not a good year to be a, to be a 10. And, and you have to get by 7, and then you get to go play 2, and the 2s were pretty much as good as the 1s. But I do think there's another reason why the NCAA tournament has been so chalky this year. And that is because I think there are a lot of really, really good teams bordering on great. I'm not sure there's a great one. Maybe we'll find a great one. You can make the argument that Duke has great players. Uh, I'll make the argument FSU has better athletes than anybody uh, in in college basketball now. And, and it'd be hard-pressed to find a team with better athletes ever. That many. Well, certainly, you know, you got Michael Jordan, James Worthy, and all these. Okay, but do you, was your seventh guy, you know, s- some of the guys they're bringing off the bench? I think they're tr- they're tremendous. I think North Carolina is a tremendous team. I've loved watching them all year. Um, and then you got the like guys like Izzo, who is going to do what he does. Michigan is really good. Play a different manner. Play a different way. And then you got the SEC with Kentucky. The, look, it. It couldn't have gone much worse for me as a fan this weekend. And I'll explain why and tell you what I think I am hoping for. There's a big difference. What I'm hoping for in the rest of the tournament. And how many schools do you think would you call football schools in the Sweet 16? All that and more after we take a break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen. And next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program. But not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rates and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. 352-226-8474. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. And it's kind of funny with... Uh, I remember when Florida played Michigan in 13, 2013. Remember the game was that 
Jerry World. It was they beat Florida Gulf Coast, which is important in the uh, just because you didn't need Florida Gulf Coast to kind of be able to strut strut around the state of Florida. And then the Michigan game, I remember writing, this was like pros versus college. And it was. They had seven guys who I believe are all still in the NBA on that team. I mean, really, really good players. And it was just State Florida couldn't. And that's what it felt like, but a kind of a different – like it, it was like you took an, a, 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 an all-college basketball defensive team and you played against Florida. And that's not going to – a team that struggles with offense. And that was certainly a factor. You know, but they're they're really good at what they do. What they do right now, what they did with Beeline then was they shot it well. They were athletic. They got to the basket. They put up a lot of points. Now under Beeline, they're they're a, a very uh, strong defensive team. I, I am still blown away by the fact they only got called for ten fouls in that game. That that to me is amazing. Uh, but hey, don't worry. Yes, I know officiating in the tournament. You would think it would be. Better than you've seen all year, and instead it seems like it's been worse. The truth is it's just the same as it's been all season, where no matter what conference you root for or no matter what conference you like, college basketball officiating is a real issue because it's a very hard sport to officiate, and I don't think uh, I don't think they have a tough enough penal system for guys who blow calls. You know, obviously, to me, but again, I'm I'm a real jerk when it comes to this kind of stuff. But to me, the guy who missed the call on the Tennessee game, where the Tennessee was playing, and they they said he foul, the the player fouled the uh, the guy, and I, this is how my, I've watched so much basketball, I can't even remember who they were playing. But uh, and he got three free throws, and they showed over and over in replay he didn't come close to him. And you miss a, a, a like that when you miss. Um, a tip in at the buzzer that is clear goaltending. When you miss calls like that, to me, it's it it should be punitive. I mean, it's bad enough to miss calls. You're going to miss calls. That you know me. I, I believe you got to play around officiating, but some of them are just. I think it scars the game a little bit that it's not better. Now the NBA guys will tell you their their refs aren't any better. Nobody complains. Nobody complains in a sport, I think, more than NBA players. So it's just a hard sport because it's a – the thing about it is it's a sport where physical play is not allowed and yet is encouraged. I mean, you're not allowed to hit somebody, right? Somebody going to the basket for a shot, you're not allowed to hit them. But you better hit them. You better not let them get to the basket without getting hit. Maybe you get away with it, maybe you don't. It's just a weird sport, but don't worry about that. Okay, um, obviously the SEC in great shape. I, I I know the formula, or I've done stories on the formula that how all this works. I saw something where it was one point eight million per unit. That seems a little high, but it could be up to that. I know at one point it was a million, and you get a unit every time you win a game, every time your conference wins a game. This is where people don't realize now that now. Much of the money that goes to the SEC pot that they then disperse to the 14 teams and a, 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 a um, share for the SEC itself, much of that money comes from TV deals, but a lot of it comes from the tournament. And this is where the one thing I'm going to give you this lecture one more time because it ticks me off 
when I hear people talk about, oh, they can use the Zion cam, but they can't pay the players and all this. Look, we, I'm, I'll be happy to sit down and have an intelligent conversation with anybody about paying players, but it is important to note that there's a lacrosse national championship and it's being paid for by this basketball tournament. And there's a rifling um, national championship in college and it's being paid for by this basketball tournament. I just don't think I don't think people think it all the way through on that, but that's the last time I'm going to say anything about it, at least until next year. Um, so the certainly it would have been great to see you have to go in it, and it was just fun to be in it, just fun to be around it, fun to say, hey, what time do the Gators play today in the tournament? That's why it was so important to be in. It's just good for your brand, and now kids who are you know maybe thirteen, fourteen year olds, they say, hey, Florida. I saw Florida in three straight years. I've, I've seen their games. I know what they're like. Uh, it is important. Um, but it, it with the SEC with four teams in, the Power Five's taken over this tournament, and that, that can happen sometimes. But I was thinking about this. Football school or basketball school, the Sweet 16 teams, okay? What would you say? How many do you think are football schools? Well, that is at least an arguable point in a couple of these cases, but I've got it 50-50. That's what I decided, okay? Let's just go through them one by one real quick. Duke, basketball school, there's no question. Gonzaga, I don't even think they have football. Uh, North Carolina, yep, definitely a basketball school, there's no doubt. Virginia, I would say so. Um, you know, this is the school of Ralph Sampson. Uh, named the most famous football player from Virginia, Tiki Barber. Um, so I, I would definitely say it's a basketball school. Texas Tech, I think it's a football school. Barely. Uh, it's not really known for either one. Uh, but at least in football, they have had they do have a little bit of a history. But basketball, he's what he's doing out there, what Beard is doing out there, Coach Beard, is amazing. And, and to get them back in the Sweet 16 again after beating Florida last year to get there. Michigan State, basketball school. Sorry. Sorry, footballers. Michigan State's a basketball school. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Houston. Houston's one that I don't know the answer to. I would lean towards basketball because of Fice Slam and Jamma, but that was a long time ago. Football, really haven't done a whole lot. I mean, they had the, they had a Heisman winner. I mean, you guys decide on that one. I'm putting that as a toss-up. Auburn Football School. <laughs> Barely. But they, they haven't done anything in basketball. That was their first ever SEC championship, tournament championship. They haven't really – they've had moments. They they have been kind of like Florida was before Billy, maybe not to that extreme, but pockets of success. I mean, they had the Barkley years. Then they had Chris Porter, and then who ended up getting ineligible and, and setting the program back. Now they've had this little bit of run with Bruce Pearl, but – I can't say it's a basketball school, not in any any stretch of the imagination. Purdue, I got to go with basketball because football hadn't done much, obviously. Bob Greasy, Drew Brees, that's about it. That's all I can remember. Uh, Kentucky, I don't think we need to even argue about that. Uh, now, the next five are all football schools, in my opinion. Florida State, forget about last year and the year before, maybe. But Florida State's a football school. There is no doubt. What, what Leonard Hamilton's done is remarkable. But he's kind of the Billy Donovan at FSU, uh, except not as good a coach. But he's doing really cool things, but it's still a football school. LSU, no question. 
LSU, uh, there's no doubt there. Tennessee, same thing. Just because they're bad in football right now doesn't mean they're not a football school. They're a football school all the way. Uh, Virginia Tech, yep, absolutely. Beamer ball. I mean, that's what you think of when you think of Virginia Tech. And then Oregon, I would say is, Oregon's had some success in basketball, but it's still overwhelmed by the football success they had there for a while with Chip Kelly uh, and then with Helfrich for a while. But uh, I, I still think I would go with Oregon as being a football school. So that's basically 8-7-1. Uh, it's just I thought it was interesting. It's kept me up this morning, trying to go back to sleep to get that last hour of sleep. I, I was started thinking about this and I couldn't. Um, one last thing on on basketball, and then we'll get Robbie in here to talk football. To show you how str- th- this was, how strange a year this was. If and I asked Robbie this, who was the MVP of this team? And he said Kavarius Hayes, and I wouldn't disagree with him. But you're talking about a guy who only averaged a few points. I mean, I don't know what he ended up with with the year. He had a good finish to the season. Limited skills offensively. Um, did some good, really good things, but you know, wasn't going to be on anybody's watch list or on anybody's all-conference team. Or uh, I'm, I'm not degrading Cavarius, but that just shows you where this team was. It, there was no real – Cavarius was the one guy that, that did the best he could, but even he wasn't a real loud guy. So we'll see. It's going to be really interesting to see what Florida – we were talking about whether I should do a um, a column kind of looking ahead. But what I told my boss was, hey, there's no point in looking ahead because we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, we don't know what the roster is going to look like. Let's, let's let it settle in a little bit before we get to that point. The guys leave. Our guys going in the transfer portal. Um, we already saw Dazon Ingram from Alabama went in today to the transfer portal. So that's be a lot of who do they bring in? Do they bring in big guys? It's impossible to tell what next year is going to look like right now as we sit here. Um, we do know that the SEC is going to be different, and we'll get to that. We'll talk about the SEC coaching changes uh, on the other side. But right now we're going to bring in Robbie Andrew from the Gainesville Sun to talk some spring football. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Okay, welcome into uh, the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Always a pleasure to be joined by Robbie Ander of the Gainesville Sun. We're only, uh, what are we, less than two weeks away from the uh, spring game. Are you yeah, excited, Robbie? Yeah, excited to kind of get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this earlier. Like, what was your favorite spring game? And the reason I say that is I don't – it's hard to name three. It really is. I can't hardly, I can't remember any plays or anything that sticks out to me, but we came up with something. Yeah. Yours was? Shane Matthews and his first younger Spurrier lighting it up in the Gator Bowl because they were expanding the uh, north end zone. Most significant spring game ever, I yeah, would say. I when would you, too. When you think about what it launched – um, there were some some that I, I can only remember, like the Ian Skinner one, where he caught like 180 yards. And then he passes. transferred to family. Well, then 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 we we're all, all right. Well, maybe Ian Skinner's going to be something. We get in there and Spurrier goes, ah, he's ineligible next year. <laughs> 
So we're like, why'd you throw the ball at every play? <laughs> that was funny. Send him off the right way. That was a spurrier way. Yep. I remember uh, interviewing Cam Newton, and the reason I did it was to write a column about how Florida was in trouble if Tebow got hurt because he was terrible. Just awful. Couldn't throw the ball. No. He was wild high. I remember yeah. going to scrimmages. He would bang balls off guys' hands. He was wild high. And I thought, this guy, you know, he can run. He's a great big big athlete, jumbo athlete that could run. But I thought, this guy can't pass. He'll never be a good quarterback. You so know, we definitely were wrong on him. No, totally. But, I mean, I, I'm not sure we were alone in being wrong on him. But um, it's kind of funny to think about. If he had stayed, you know, everybody thinks about what if Will Greer had not left, would Florida have been in the quarterback hole they'd been in for a while? Uh, but you always wonder if Cam had left. But there was so much going on there. Yeah. It was, he didn't want to play behind Tebow anymore. No. He had issues with a the great computer, test, <laughs> issues with a computer. He tossed out the window. It would have been painting it black. It would have been cool to see what Mullen would have done with him developing yeah. him. Because he was a raw talent, and he did get developed, and you know the potential was obviously there, and it would have been kind of cool to see what Mullen would have done with the kid. Except that by yeah, he was gone though by the time he yeah, even that's left. true. So um, yeah, it would have been something. Um, but for the most part, spring games are what they're supposed to be, which is a chance for guys to go out and play, have some fun. Crowd gets together; it's another little reunion thing, but. N- the only thing that the maybe the most significant injury might have been the, the year Ronald Powell got hurt. Yeah, that was a big it was like one. Very bad. late yeah. in the spring game. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. That's the whole thing about the spring. The coaches they know who can play now, right. and you're developing young guys now. You want to see what they can do. And the last thing you want to do is go out and have there and have somebody get hurt in a game like yeah, that. yeah, like so. you wouldn't play Marco Wilson in a game. like No, that. yeah, you don't want to. No, and like Mullen has said, I'm not going to hand the ball to. Michael P. Ryan 20 times in a scrimmage because you know what he can do. We're but not yeah, going to wear yeah. him out in the spring. He knows he can. Yeah. If he has to. Yeah. There's no so doubt about that, it. That's kind of the way you take the approach to spring. You, you know the guys that can play. You don't push them and make them do more than they need to do. My take, just the couple of times I've been out there, Robbie, is I'm a, while I see all the very things that most people see, it doesn't take a genius to figure out they're way more organized oh, than they were a year ago. I told the story of running, seeing Chuck Heater out there, and he was telling me how great a job he thought Dan was doing. Yeah, uh, with how organized it was. Yeah, and it took a year to get there. Yeah. But but um, I, I also get almost like I'm nervous about how confident this team is. You think they might be because, too confident? Yeah, and only because I keep looking at that offensive line and it keeps yeah. making me wonder what what it's going to look like. But you know what, Pat? You look back at the Spurrier era, a lot of that was confidence, too. Yeah. Those guys always thought they were going to win, and I think this team is kind of getting that confidence. And you talked about how organized they are, Pat. I watched the Saturday practice on the baseball field. It was like watching a pro team go through a practice. It was yeah. so organized. You like that baseball yeah, field. Yeah, that's then. a great view. Yeah. You can see everything. All the other hacks are down the ground. They couldn't even tell that uh, Copeland wasn't at the practice. So yeah, you can. That's the thing though. When you talk about confidence, when you when you look at guys, great players like Tebow, yeah, uh, Percy Harvin, certainly confident. Danny Werfel, confident. Uh, you don't let that. And I don't think Felipe was there. I think he's maybe there now, but we'll find out as this season goes on. But certainly, uh, at, coming off the Missouri week, he wasn't there. No, no. <laughs> But, yeah, I think, Pat, his confidence really started growing the latter half of last year, and I think the players have seen it again this spring and the way he's carrying himself out there. And like we were talking to um, Kroll, the tight end, yes, he talked about how he's, he's so different now that he goes through his progressions, he finds the open guy, he does it quickly. So these are all things he struggled with till late in the year last year. And I think 
you know, his coming out was the fact that he realized he needed to run, and he ran with a little anger. And I think that kind of changed his whole his whole outlook on the game and what he can do. And I think his confidence is way up there now. Yeah, it's funny. I, Lucas Kroll. I, I had somebody tell me that their NFL scouts just can't wait to get a hold. Well, of you him. look at he is a big athlete that can run and catch. He's yeah. got great hands. So I think he's going to be a real weapon this year. If you had to right now, if you had to guess, total guess, starting line, left left tackle to right tackle. Okay. Who would it be? Stone Forsythe, left tackle. Heggy, left guard. Uh, center would be Buchanan. Right guard, I'm not sure at this point. Uh, I think the right tackle is DeLance, the yeah. kid from Texas. Garage right, may fit, yeah, fit in there somewhere. Garage could be a left tackle, right tackle. So they've got some talented guys that just haven't played. Yeah. And the thing I, I – and this is one reason – I know I tend to be pessimistic, okay? It's just the way I am. I, I Anybody who lived through 0-10-1 and 4th and dumb and the <laughs> flop, you don't grow up with a lot of optimism in your life. Springer no. didn't knock it all out of me. No. He Tim knocked most of it out of me. He didn't knock a lot, but I still have that level of yeah. pessimism and, and – um, you know, that's the one thing that I keep looking at and yeah. go and, and remember the 92 team with yeah. nobody. I mean, good players. They got by, though. Yeah, but they, they, they struggled to, to win games. But the, the thing with the line, Pat, I think with Hevesy, you know they're going to be well coached. He's going to have them ready to play. Right. It's a matter of whether they can execute but, enough, but last year they couldn't play until well in the season, I know. and that's another yeah. thing because yeah. there's some big, you know, there's some big games. Coming and the up. thing is, the other day at practice, Pat, when they went eleven on eleven and they had officials out there, there were quite a few holding penalties called because they couldn't block really? the defensive front. So, well, that's the other thing about spring games and spring practices. Everything that happens good is bad for the other side. Exactly. So you never. Well, that's a. Oh, he was wide open. Well, he's wide open because the guy the didn't DB, stay with yeah, him. The DB, yeah, the DB couldn't cover him. But so far, so good as far as bad things not coming out of spring so far. Um, and that, like I, I, I've said all along, the only thing that can come out is bad news. But here's the thing that that where college football, I think, misses the boat, is making spring more interesting, and it's not individually. We all know what Florida's doing in spring. Do you know what anybody else in the country's doing in the spring? I have no clue, Pat. I mean, Nothing. That's, they've got to figure out a way. I don't know what the answer is. If I knew, I would run for yeah. for. Uh, I know a little bar. bit about what Miami's doing because of the Twitter war going on right. between the Canes and well, Gators. I, so. That's why I'm getting off Twitter. <laughs> um, but it certainly will be uh, interesting coming up a couple of weeks, and uh, we're all looking forward to it. Certainly, uh, like you said, kind of get spring over, and then then – you find out what kind of guys you have the rest of the time, and that's what I'm sure they're looking forward to. What I always went go back to what Urban always said: "I'll know what I've got when when it's delivered to me by Mickey Marotti." Yeah, you know, I, I want to see what he gives me in August. What does it look like? Well, and yeah, it, what what happens after the spring game is so much more yeah. important than what happens in the game or during the build up to it, because this is when you develop your chemistry and when you get in the kind of shape you're going to be in. Like Savage told the guys last year, he goes, at the end of the summer, I'm going to be able to tell you how many games you're going to be capable of winning. He never revealed that, though. No, he he? didn't. I don't think he did, but I think... We need to find out what his answer was. I don't think it was 10. No. (laughs) But it might have been. But I think he's going to, you know, if they have a good summer, he's going to say, you know, you guys are capable of winning a championship. We'll see. That's kind of the the theme going on over there now, Pat. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's... Look, I think you've got to, you know, didn't last year Kentucky had a, uh, a calendar or a clock? 
in their locker room that had the countdown till the BCS reveal, not the BCS reveal, the college football playoff yeah. reveal. You know, we're 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 going for this and. Okay, they had a good season. They did have maybe, a good season. Maybe it, those kind of things help, but it's kind of silly when you do that and or you have a big garbage can for turnover, <laughs> stuff like that, or a, or a women's suitcase. Um, or a turnover chain. Yeah. <laughs> At any rate. But it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, and I've been saying all along, Robbie, let's see how you feel about this, just how important that Miami game is for Florida's 2019 season. Oh, yeah, because all the work you're putting in now, if you don't win that game, it's kind of like, oh, gosh, what – what what we working Where's so hard for? Yeah. yeah. Now where do we go? And and here's what will happen if they lose that game afterwards. We'll all be saying, well, remember last year they lost to Kentucky in the game too, and then yeah. they came out. But I, I just think it's vital because uh, it kind of like shoots down a lot of your goals. It really and, does, and that's why shooting for the stars is. I, I agree, you got to do that, but it doesn't always work out that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, Florida's going to be favored in the game, and you know, you got to you got to win. I think it. they're up, they're favored by four. I think. Right? Yeah. Four, I think it was five, eight the last I saw. Six. But it's eight. it's early. It could change. Yeah, I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to bet. But yeah, it is a big, big – it's hard to believe in it that early in the year, but it, it's a huge game for both teams. You know what? It's really hard to believe, Robbie, that it's been 50 years of Gator Nationals coverage for you. <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> Only 26. <laughs> 26. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, not too many guys can go back-to-back with a marathon and a uh, points-of-life race and then uh, – <laughs> Right into a Gator Nationals coverage, and then right into Gator football. Now I've been set free by football, though. That feels uh-huh. good. Well, we'll look forward to it. Spring game coming up in a couple of weeks, and we'll continue talking about it. Appreciate Robbie for coming on. We'll take a break. Be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks to Rob. We, uh, by the way, we're down to like the last what two, two of these. Is that correct? I don't, I don't have my technician here. Maybe three before I get my knee sliced open. Here's the thing that's amazing. I the knee's feeling, of course, the best it's felt in a long time, which is what always happens right before you go in and get a surgery. Right? It never fails. Oh well, maybe I don't need it. It feels pretty good. Well. You need it. Let's go get it done. Uh, there are still times when I stand up and almost collapse. But um, so there will only be a, a few more and um, really been enjoying it. And look, we'll be back with it, um, I would guess, early August, especially with the early practices and the early, um, the early um, you know, start of the season. But I would, if we need to do one, we'll do one. You know what I mean? If there's something, a lot of stuff going on, something big happens college football-wise, Gator football-wise, in the middle of uh, June, we'll do it. Uh, but I did want to bring up, you know, I like to talk about my golf tournament. You probably get annoyed. But I want to send out a special thank you to, to Adam Brewer over at Adam's Rib, who has been with us almost since the beginning of it. And Adam coming up big again uh, for us this year, the stuff he's doing for the Bob Dooley Invitational in, in its final 25th and final year it's the last one we're going to do and he's coming up big and he has been an amazing friend of the tournament and he's an amazing guy and i'm plugging his restaurants adam's rib company because they've been amazing to us and i uh i just think the world of adam such a good friend um there's a lot more plugging to do uh, including the social listen this shout out to the social 
hooked us up with gift certificates, and we'll continue to do that as long as we keep the show going. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, so what was I going to talk about? I forgot. Oh, the SEC changing their coaches. Right. Um, the Bryce Drew thing kind of came out of nowhere. That one surprised me. But, again, you've got a new AD, and a new AD comes in, and, and he's on the job for a few months, and his basketball team goes 0-18 in the SEC as well. I mean, that's one of those things where you just go, well, logic says I need a new basketball coach. Let me – I don't want to, you know, if, if you pursue the reasons, you pursue how hard that team played, certainly the last game of the year they all looked awful, but they played pretty hard all year. It's so many games where you think, God, they're going to get their first win right here, including the Florida game at home, which, again, goes back to Florida's inability to play at home. But that's one thing I've always said is teams panic at home. They don't they don't panic on the road. They panic at home. That's the new uh, – I don't know, the Millennial Basketball League, I guess you could call it. We're like, oh, no, what if we lose? Am I going to be able to get out to the bar tonight with all my friends and they're going to still buy me drinks? I'm just saying. I think that happens a lot. Um, so they get rid of Bryce Drew, and it'll be interesting to see. And, again, Avery Johnson goes out. They, they get rid of him. I will say this. I always felt like, whether it was Billy or Mike White – that Florida had a coaching advantage when they were playing Avery Johnson. There was something about the way he coached games, and I watched the hundreds of games that he coached, where I just didn't feel like he got the most out of his team on a consistent basis. He got it every once in a while, like when they beat Kentucky this year. But on a consistent basis, I didn't feel it was there. Like, that's a move I might have made as a cutthroat AD. I might have made that move. So that one didn't blow me away. I think they have higher expectations. They may be misguided, but they have higher expectations. And, of course, Billy Kennedy at Texas A&M, it's just not going well there. And I feel bad for the guy because he's, he's got uh, – you know, he's fighting a, a disease and that's – I think it's Parkinson's, right, that he has. I, I hope I'm not misspeaking. I'm not trying to demean or make fun of it. I think he has Parkinson's, but I'm not sure what he – what it is because I didn't stop to look it up, but I feel bad for the guy. But I clearly they need something more dynamic. So let's see what happens here because boom, it's been home run after home run in the SEC as far as hiring coaches. Whether it's Bruce Pearl, look, Bruce Pearl, I, I you know I feel about him, but it was a good hire if you don't mind getting your feet dirty, and that that dirt could eventually not come off, but. It, you know, Rick Barnes was a great hire. Uh, ben Howland was a pretty good hire. Uh, they just keep going and getting uh, – you know, Tom Crean, I think, was a good hire. You see it's paying off in recruiting already. And I think Mike White was a good hire, and we'll, we'll see how he – all that pays out. But the point is, I, you're not going to see some uh, somebody from East Tennessee State get the job, I wouldn't think, in any of these three schools. But it'll be really interesting to see where it, where it goes. One other thing on coaching – uh, I just read where Dave Rose is going to retire. Dave Rose, uh, I, he was on the five J- Slam and Jamma team, coached at BYU. Got to, I don't want to say got to know him, but did a lot of interviews with him because Florida played them back-to-back seasons uh, under Billy in the NCAA tournament. And really good guy, really got to know him uh, a little bit. And uh, he, he came out with pancreatic cancer, had a tumor removed, and I'm sure that is weighing into his decision to retire. I think there gets a point in everybody's life when you want to sit down and say, I just don't want to work as hard. I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't know if that was the case with him. For all I know, this was a, a coerced buyout, or I, I don't know. 
But I do know that there's a point where you say, I don't want to do I, I want to do something. I don't want to do this, and I don't want to do it at that level anymore. And um, so maybe that's what it is. But I, I just, when I saw that, I was a little sad because I know what he's been going through. Okay. It is time for three things. Three things. All right. Um, thanks again for, for listening to the show or, or to the podcast. And like I said, we'll keep going right up through the what you know what it is it, it what is it the 13th the spring game the the following tuesday that'll be the last one for a while it's time for three things number one if you're worried about florida baseball you should be right now um this may not be a very good team i thought it was going to be okay with the with the young guys and the young guys look good at times but it's not just the young guys that are getting overwhelmed. It's the entire team. There's, uh, with some exceptions, but this team's not playing well. They're not. They're not showing a lot of fight. In fact, I think that that's something that's driving Sully crazy, is this lack of urgency. They kind of just going from one at bat to the next at bat and see what happens. Oh well, and they they've got to kind of get something going. They got Alabama this weekend. Might be a good opportunity for them. Alabama's not great, but. They're in bad shape right now, and, and one in five in the conference is certainly no way to try to win your third straight. Uh, keep an eye on them, and of course, softball. Softball just is. It doesn't feel like it's going to be a great spring here for those two sports, and like our expectations are so high. If they don't host, host in both, we're like, what's wrong? What what is going on? What is going on with them? But I, I don't know about well the softball host, host which would mean regionals and super regionals. But you basically got a two-player team offensively and a pitcher who's really good but is going to feed or go for every once in a while, it just seems like. Um, Kelly Barnhill is is so good, but we're living in a different world in, in college softball where you can time up anybody. And it's the same way in baseball. You can time up anybody. They've got to have movement. They've got to get the ball move. They've got to change your eye level. They've got to move it in and out. And guys who don't do that get hit no matter – I don't care if they throw 200 miles an hour. Well, 200 would probably be pretty good. Number two, I actually was watching the AAF Birmingham and Memphis. I was bored, okay? I'd watched so much basketball. I was worn out on basketball. I just wanted to, I saw there was a football game and watched it. I did not know what their overtime system was. This was the first game that went to overtime. It is weird. You get the ball in the 10, you have to score. No field goals or anything like that. Then the other team gets the ball in the 10. And you both have to go for two if you score, and then that's the, that's the game. If it's tied, it's tied. I'm not a big fan of that. I believe I want every game to come to an end, to a conclusion, with a winner and a loser. That's my opinion. But I also kind of get it, you know, that you can um, at least with this format, you're not wearing guys out. And again, they they have limited resources as well. But I, now I like the college way, and and that's the way it is. Now the NFL is now looking at this. Instead of an onside kick, you get a fourth and fifteen. Is that what it is? I got I got to look more into that rule before I'm going to say anything about it. it. It seems like it would be more exciting than what the than an onside kick. The onside kick is the most overrated play in sports. They don't they almost never work, and they're such a big part of the game. The late craziness and excitement of the game. You need to come up with something better than the onside kick. Okay, and number three, 
uh, staying with the NFL, uh, Rob Gronkowski retiring. Am I telling my Rob Gronkowski story for the last time? Probably told 100 times on this show and 100 times other people. The one uh, time I went to the con, uh, Combine when Tebow was there, Chris Harry and I are walking through a uh, convention center hallway, uh, which is connected to it. It was snowing outside, so we were kind of shaking a shortcut. And there was this guy running, and he was running 40s in the convention center, running, you know, people like it was like whatever it was. Let's say it was people who did, uh, what do you call it, sparkles, not sparkles, um, rhinestones on, on, on jackets. And they were having their convention. They was dodging those people. Uh, and it was comical. And I was like, his brother was timing him and everything. I was like, eh, that's cool. And I, I, I remember taking note of it. It was Rob Gronkowski. And he ended up running a great 40. I, I think, in my opinion, and I'm probably – statistics won't back me up. I think he's the best tight end to ever play. And there have been some great ones. Whether you're talking about Tony Gonzalez or Jason Witten, I think he's the best because he was the one guy I've ever seen who you could say – we're throwing you the ball. You can put all 11 guys on. Somehow he's going to get it. I'm not a fan of the Patriots. I don't dislike the Patriots. I'm kind of neutral on them. I go back and forth, depending on the team. But he was as good as I ever saw. That'll do it. All right. Okay. See, Spurrier is now 6-1. and one. That's good for him. Um, all right. That's going to do it for the uh, podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. We'll be back with you next week. And uh, always a pleasure to talk to everybody. Um, by the way, one one last thing on the golf tournament. If anybody has children that are looking for volunteer hours for um, you know school and stuff like that, give me a call. It's easy to get a hold of me. Give me a call, and uh, we'd love to have you out there on June 8th, and you could help man some holes. Just let me know. All right, that's going to do it. Pat Dooley, you know me. I'm from the Gainesville Sun, and I am deep, I'm way back, and I'm out of here. <laughs>